Welcome to Meadowbrook Church, loving Jesus by loving people. For more information about who we are, find us online at www.meadowbrook.ca. Take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy 1, if you need a Bible, there's a Bible on the pew in front of you. It's page 1197 in that Bible. And we are coming to the end. It is the last Sunday of our fall series that we have called Gifted, walking in what we've been given, looking at the spiritual gifts. There are a number of gifts that the Bible talks about, and the Bible says we all have a gift or gifts that we are uh, equipped by God with in order to help glorify his name, in order to help spread the gospel, in order to help bless and encourage our brothers and sisters. And so we've taken a number of weeks to go through different lists of gifts that you find in the Bible. If you've missed any of the sermons, they are all online. We have audio and video, so you can catch up. Our key verse has been 1 John 2.20, which says, You have an anointing from the Holy One. And the Bible uses the word anointing to talk about how the Holy Spirit kind of pours over you. Anointing in the Old Testament was to take oil and dump it on someone's head. And it's the picture that the Bible uses about the Spirit. The Spirit has been poured out on us, and we all have an anointing. We all have a gift. We all have a way that God has equipped and empowered us to be a blessing to this world, to his glory and for his kingdom. And so we've been talking about what those are. And as we wrap up today, uh, what we're really doing is just saying, okay, so what do we do now? Now that we're starting to get an understanding of what our gifts are, now that we're starting to get a bit of an understanding of who we are and how we're wired, where do we go from here? What is our next step? So a number of years ago, uh, I've told you stories about this before, I was on a ministry's trip to Zambia, and uh, I went with Terry Bone, who you've met now, and it's nice to be able to tell Terry Bone stories and have you guys know who I'm talking about. Uh, Terry was here speaking in September, you've had a chance to meet him finally, and he's the key ministry mentor of my life. And so Terry was speaking for a week at a Bible college in Zambia, which is in southern Africa, and he graciously asked me to come along with him. It had been a dream in my heart for a long time to minister in Africa. And so we were there, and uh, we were staying with missionaries who were from Canada, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada, where uh, Terry still ministers, where I used to minister. And so they were Pentecostal missionaries who had been living out west here and moved to Zambia. They were running the Bible college. And so we were staying at their house, and uh, they were incredibly gracious hosts, and so they were out doing some ministry one day. Terry and I were at the house by ourselves, and we thought, well, let's make a really nice dinner for them. It's just a a little token of thanks for uh, how they've taken care of us this week, and so we decided to make a nice dinner. Uh, They had said we have a barbecue in the back, and we're like, oh, perfect, we'll get some some nice steak, and uh, we'll make a nice meal for them, and we'll enjoy the meal and fellowship together. And so we went out, we got the food, and we were starting to get ready for dinner. Terry was tired, so he went to take a nap. I said, no problem, I know how to barbecue, I'm a man. And so I went back to get ready to do the barbecuing, and then we found out that a Zambian barbecue is not like a Canadian barbecue, because it's a very rural area, Uh, they don't have propane, they don't have charcoal, they don't really have anything, so a Zambian barbecue is a fire pit in the ground with a grate over it that you cook on. And so you have to start a fire. And so I was a Boy Scout. I know lots of things about this. And so I can start a fire. And not thinking that, you know, when I'm at home and I'm starting a fire, you know, you have newspaper, you have lighters, you have things that can help get you going. Here we had none of those things. We had a box of old matches and then whatever we could scrounge. Uh, So we're trying to get leaves and pine needles and different things. And we're trying to get something going. But everything's kind of wet. So Terry is asleep. I'm trying to get this going. And it's not going that well. And so I kind of get it started. And I remember from my Boy Scout days, you got to get some wind in there, right? It needs oxygen. So I'm going, and it would just blow out. 
And so I would start again, and I kind of get going a little bit, and I'm trying to blow on it, and I'm going, well, I'm a Boy Scout who knows some things, but that was 20 years ago as I think about it. I forgot a lot of things, it turns out. And so I can't get this thing going. And so I had to go get Terry and say, we're running out of time here. I can't get this fire started. And he's all annoyed because he's waking up from his nap, and he's got to come and help me do what should be a basic thing. And so I am trying to get it started, and he's like, all right, keep doing what you're doing and get ready to just dump a bunch of stuff on there. And so I get it going, and I blow on it a little bit, and a little bit catches. And then he took a big piece of plywood, and as it just started to flame up, he just started going, foom, 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 and the fire went, and just popped up. This wind swept in, and then he's going, now! And so I started throwing stuff on, and he's going, foom, foom, and creating this huge gust of wind. And within about two minutes, there was this nice crackling fire going. And so I had remembered rightly that it needs some oxygen to get it going. Uh, I had greatly underestimated how much and how it was supposed to work. So I'm just going, <sighs> and nothing is happening. Uh, Terry, just being more manly than me, I don't know. He knew enough that you needed to really get some wind going in order to make that fire grow. Uh, if you remember the fire triangle, this is what we learned in Scouts that I did remember. It's heat plus fuel plus, plus oxygen, and it needs that gust in order to really get going. And so that's the picture, that, that thing that Terry did with the plywood to get that fire going from just a little crackling thing to a nice big fire. Uh, that fanning into flame that Terry did in that moment is the picture that our text uses to talk about our spiritual gifts today. So let's take a look at our text. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 1, again, a page uh, 1197 in the Pew Bible. And we're starting in verse 3. Paul, the apostle, is writing to Timothy, one of his disciples, one of his spiritual sons. And he says, I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. And there's more we could say, but we'll stop there. If you want to read more uh, on Timothy, you can go ahead and do that. So Timothy uh, comes to Jesus. The Apostle Paul is traveling around, meets Timothy. Timothy's come to the Lord. The Apostle Paul takes Timothy on as, as, again, kind of a disciple, a spiritual son, and he mentors Timothy. And they do ministry together for a while. Eventually, Timothy uh, gets planted as one of the pastors of the church of Ephesus. And it wasn't a great church. There was a lot of problems in that church. And so Timothy is in Ephesus. He is pastoring with a team of other pastors. And the Apostle Paul continues his ministry of traveling and speaking. But we have two letters in the New Testament that Paul wrote to Timothy. Uh, it's part of what's sometimes called the pastoral letters. And Paul is giving Timothy advice on how to run a church, on how to pastor a church. And within that, because Paul loves Timothy, we see that even in these few verses, it's kind of like a dad checking up on his son. Uh, there's a lot of personal comments and take care of yourself and be careful of this. And, and so he's very concerned with Timothy as a person, even as he's concerned about the church. And so first and second Timothy give us a great picture uh, of just a spiritual dad encouraging the guy that he's mentoring uh, out of a loving heart. And as Paul uh, starts off the letter here in these few verses, he says, I thank God, Timothy, your faith is so sincere. You are solid. Uh, there's this faith that lived in your mother and lived in your grandmother. There's this legacy that God is building in your family. 
family that is solid and that is real. Your faith is real. And for this reason, because of that real, sincere, solid faith, because of that, I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God that is within you. There is a gift that God has put in Timothy's life, just like there is a gift in every one of your lives, if you're a follower of Jesus. Paul says, fan into flame that gift that is within you, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Apparently there had been a time where they'd been in prayer, and Paul had laid hands on Timothy and prayed, and a gift had been released. And we don't know what gift they're talking about, but we know from these letters that Timothy had a leadership gift, he had a teaching gift, so maybe that's the gift that Paul is talking about. But you fan into flame that gift that is within you. God has released a gift into your life, but it's not just a gift that God deposits and then that's just it, we're good, we're done. Paul says to Timothy, you fan that gift into flame. That, that gift should be growing like a fire grows. That gift should be spreading like a fire spreads. That gift should not just be a little glowing ember that can't really accomplish anything. That gift should be a fire that is growing, that is fired up within you. And the wording of it is so crucial because God has given each of us a gift, but Paul says, fan into flame that gift. Fan into flame that gift that is within you. Make that gift bigger. So of the gift that God has given us, whose job is it to make that gift grow? It's ours. It's up to you to grow the fire. It's up to you to make that gift bigger. I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God that is within you. God has deposited something. You have an anointing from the Holy One. God has given the gift, but it's up to you what happens with that gift. And we can decide to invest in that gift and grow that gift and practice that gift and use that gift and see that gift grow and get stronger. The anointing gets stronger. The power of God gets stronger. Or we can neglect the gift entirely. And just like that campfire, if you don't do anything to it, if you stop adding wood, if you stop fanning it, that fire eventually is going to die down. So apparently the choice is ours. Apparently the choice is ours how big that gift is going to get or not. Jesus told us a story in Matthew chapter 25. It's called the parable of the talents. And uh, talent was a unit of money back then. It was a fairly large unit of money. And so the story is there was a master, and the master is going to go away on a journey. And so he calls three of his servants before him and says, I'm going away on this journey. And then he gives them each something that they can use while he's gone. Uh, and this story has huge implications for our spiritual gifts. So keep our giftings in mind as I tell the story. So he gave them each something that they could use while he was away. To the first servant, he gives five talents, five units of money. To the second servant, he gives three talents. And to the final servant, he gives one talent. And then he goes away on his journey. And Jesus says the first servant with the five talents took the money, invested it, put it to work, and produced five more. He doubled the investment. The second servant took his three talents, he put it to work, he invested it, and he produced three more. He doubled the investment. And the final servant was afraid. He didn't do anything with it. He was scared of losing it. And so he took his talent, he went and he hid it, and he did nothing with it whatsoever. So the master comes back and he calls his servants before him and he demands an account. I gave you each something to do. I gave you each something to use. What did you do with what I gave you? And that is the question for all of us. What did you do with what the master has given you? And the first servant says, well, I took what you gave me, and I produced even more. I produced, I, I invested in it, I grew, and, and I have produced more than what you gave me. 
And the master says, well done, good and faithful servant. The second servant says, I took what you gave me, I invested in it, and I produced even more. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. And the final servant says, I didn't do anything with what you gave me. I was too afraid. And the master says, you wicked, lazy servant. I gave you something with the expectation that you were going to do something with that. Right? I gave you talent. I gave you a gift. I gave you something with the intention that you would produce something. And, and you didn't take that step. You were too timid. You were too afraid. Uh, add what other adjective. You were too lazy. You were too uninformed. You were too whatever. But you didn't do anything with what God gave you. And again, this story has real implications for us and what God has given us, whatever it is, whatever money he's given us. But in our context, whatever spiritual gifts, whatever spiritual talents he has given us, he has given you something, he has gone away, but one day we will stand before him and give an account. We will be asked the question, what did you do with what I gave you? And we want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, right? We want to hear that I took what you gave me and I produced something with it. I took what you gave me and I used it faithfully. I took the gifts that you put in my life and I didn't hide them, but I used them to bless others. I used them in obedience. I used them to serve. I used them to help spread the gospel. I used them to glorify your name. I used them to encourage my brothers and sisters in the Lord. He has given you something, and the expectation is that you would do something with what he has given you. We've been saying throughout the series, it's sometimes easy for us to look at gifts that we don't have, and we can feel like less than, right? If I could only lead like so-and-so, or if I could only serve like so-and-so, or if I could only give like so-and-so, and, and if we don't have the gift, we don't have the gift. We can still be inspired by those people, but if you don't have the musical gift to play the piano, it would be really unreasonable to come and say, hey, John, get up here and play piano for us. Would you mind? Like, you either have the gift or you don't. You're under no obligation to walk in a gift that God has not given you, but you are under a fairly large obligation to walk in the gifts that he has given you. In this parable, we want to be the ones who say, I took what you gave me, I was faithful to use it. I took what you gave me, and I've produced a harvest with it. I have done good with it. I have glorified your name with it to be faithful with what we've been given. So how do we fan our gifts into flame? God has deposited the fire of the Spirit within you. It is our job to fan that thing into flame. So how do we grow our gifts? How do we make them bigger? How do we see God move more? First of all, uh, we have to just have an intentional plan that we're going to invest in growing our gifts. We have to just start by asking the question, well, how do I grow in my administration gift? How do I grow in my encouragement gift? It starts with just that, that we just have to have a plan that growth doesn't just happen automatically. So I'm going to invest in my gift, whatever it is. And that can certainly uh, be practical things, like I'm going to learn more about it, and I'm going to uh, pay attention to those who have the gift that I can learn from. Um, sometimes we can feel like, you know, we have a gift, but this person is way above us, and it can be kind of intimidating. Like, I, I'm a servant, but that person is really a servant. I'm not that much like them. But that's the wrong attitude to take. If you have a serving gift, the important point is to find someone who's serving at a higher level than you and say, well, let that spur me on. Let that encourage me to become more like them. Let there be someone ahead of me in leadership or ahead of me in the prophetic or ahead of me in, in design and creation or whatever. 
and, and let that inspire me to be more like them. We can take time to invest in whatever we're doing. I've gone back to school, uh, partly, mainly, really, just to invest in the gift that God has given, that being in school makes me a better teacher, and it helps me grow in my teaching, and I get exposed to lots of other teachers who are way better at it than I am, and you get to have this experience of growth as you look to other people and follow their example. So we need a plan just to start to think about, okay, how would I grow my worship gift? How would I grow my encouragement gift? How would I grow my artistic gift? Uh, and just start to think about what that might look like. And it could be lots of practical things from learning to classes to, to reading to following to being mentored, whatever. Uh, but what will that look like? It starts with just asking that question. I think the, one of the most important ways that we fan that gift into flame, whatever it is, is simply practice, practice, practice. And if you're writing it down, you can write it down three times. Practice, practice, practice. Whatever our talent is, spiritual or otherwise, we get better at it as we do it. We get sharper. We learn things. And we learn things not just for doing it and having great success. We learn things as well when we do it and it doesn't go so well. We make a mistake. Right? I have done silly things from the pulpit in my ministry. Uh, I have had prophetic words I was sure was God that turned out to not be God. We make mistakes in our giftings, and we're going to be okay with that at Meadowbrook Church because we want to be willing to take that step of faith and have opportunity to grow. Wayne Gretzky did not become one of the great hockey players of all time right away at four years old, the first time he stepped on the ice. He fell down, I imagine, a lot, right? Until he figured out how this whole ice and skate thing was going to work. And through practice, he figured it out. And when he was asked by interviewers, Wayne Gretzky, how did you get to be so good? His answer was practice. He says, it's nothing special. It's not uh, amazing. I just drilled and I drilled and I drilled and I drilled. And as I did that over and over and over again, and because I loved it, I spent every spare second on the ice. And my dad would quiz me on, what are you supposed to do in this situation? What are you supposed to do in that situation? And it is practice, 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 practice. And it's not that there's not natural talent in Wayne Gretzky, but he was faithful to fan that gift into flame through practice. And so whatever gift we have, it's an understanding that it's going to grow as we are faithful to practice, as we are faithful to step out, as we are willing to take a risk, as we are willing to make a mistake and be gracious to each other when we make mistakes, and as we are willing to say, you know what, I am going to get sharper in this gift. Every time I step out in it, I am fanning that flame. And the more I practice, the more I'm fanning it, and the more I fan it, the bigger the fire gets. And when Jesus was teaching, he said, the one who's faithful with little can be trusted with much. If we are faithful with the little that God has given us, God's going to know that he can give us more. And so sometimes with giftings, again, we look at the ones who are way ahead of us or have these huge giftings. We say, man, how did they get there? How did they get their prophetic gift to be so sharp? How did they get their leadership gift? Or how did they get their encouraging gift to be just so ridiculously encouraging? And the biggest answer, I think, is always going to come back to this, is that they have developed it over years, and they have been faithful for years. And as they were faithful to step in the gift that God had given them, God said, I can trust that person with more anointing, with more power, with more Holy Spirit. I, I know they'll be faithful to steward this well because they keep at it over and over and over again. As we're doing that, we're investing in our growth. We're practicing a lot. We're seeing the gift grow. Uh, we also want to give room for feedback and for reflection. 
feedback uh, coming from other people. We let other people speak into our gifts. Uh, pretty regularly, Mesh and I will sit down and we'll just debrief a, a sermon on a Sunday morning and uh, just have some feedback time. And uh, that's important because we can't always see ourselves in our gifts. We don't always know what's going well and what's not. And so we are a body. And so we trust the body that we all need each other. Uh, so we let others weigh in. We do reflection ourselves. And it's just very practical of saying, okay, well, when I uh, used my administrative gift to organize that event, uh, what went well? What didn't go well? What did I learn? Uh, where was I most in my zone? Where was I really not in my zone? And, and what does it tell me about how I'm wired and how my gift works? Uh, to have some reflection time just to reflect on what do I need to do differently next time? Uh, how am I able to be faithful in order, of, uh, in order to, to grow in this? And again, every time we make a mistake, it's just a learning opportunity for the next time we do it. It's never wasted. It's always used. God redeems everything in order to help us grow. And so to be willing to say, I'm going to step out in my gift, I'm going to do the best I can prayerfully and with what I believe God is doing and where it is good God will affirm that it's good and where it doesn't go so well I will learn something there we can't lose in this and we extend grace to one another where we say you know what it's gonna be okay if everything is not perfect all the time because you know what it's not gonna be perfect all the time when we're learning and growing in our gifts but we are gonna get better as we walk in these things and as we figure it out and as God knows he can trust us and invest more Holy Spirit in us and through us as we go so we fan into flame the gift of God that is within us. And we had an interesting conversation in my life group just about uh, how do you encourage someone appropriately in their spiritual gifts? Because we know these gifts come from God, right? All of these gifts come from God. So someone's not an amazing uh, leader. It's God has given them an amazing leadership gift. It's God doing it. And it's not that someone is an amazing encourager or an amazing servant because God has given those gifts. And so we can't really take ownership or take credit for those gifts. Again, if we asked everyone up here to come play the piano like a concert pianist, I don't know that any of us would have been able to do that. Maybe a couple of us who had some training could get there. But uh, if you have the gift, you have the gift. If you don't have the gift, you don't have it. And so it's kind of tricky of how do we encourage each other appropriately. The Bible does tell us to encourage one another as well. But the fanning into flame picture, uh, to me, that's the point where I think we can encourage. Because when Terry and I were making that fire, like, we can't actually create fire, right? We don't ourselves have that ability. But as fire is happening, uh, we have learned what we can do to faithfully tend to that fire to make it bigger. And that is the point that we can encourage one another. Jeff is leading us in worship today. Lots of gifted musicians up on stage. But to say to Jeff, you know, you're an amazing worship leader. Um, again, it's not that that's not true, but the, the weight of the encouragement is on the wrong point because Je the Holy Spirit moves through Jeff. That's what makes the worship powerful. The Holy Spirit has given musical ability that, that's not his, right? Because I can say that confidently because I don't have it, right? It's something that God has given to him and to other musicians in our church. But to be able to say to Jeff, you know what? God's given the musical ability. God has given the worship anointing. But hey, man, you've been faithful to fan that into flame. You've put in the time. You've put in the effort. You've put in the prayer. You've put in the practice. Uh, not just official worship practice, but I'm sure hours and hours and hours of figuring out chords and figuring out transitions and figuring out where your hands go and figuring out the timing and working on your voice and learning how songs work. Like, Jeff has fanned a gift into flame. Does that make sense? He has made the effort. He has put in the time. He has been faithful to steward it and develop it and pray into it and practice it and practice it and practice it. 
So we are called to encourage one another in our gifts. But the, I think the appropriate way to do that, we don't want to take any glory away from God who gives the gifts or give anyone a fat head because the gift isn't really yours. It's a gift of God. But we can encourage one another by saying, hey, thank you for putting in the time. Thank you for being faithful to steward that well. Thank you for fanning that thing into flame. We acknowledge the fire is God's. And if anything powerful happens, it's God at work, not us. But Jeff could also just stay home and not do anything with it, right? And we would miss out on the blessing of God, the presence of God as we enter into worship. So we can engage each other that way. And we do need to do that because we don't always see ourselves clearly. We don't always see our own gifts clearly. We don't always see our own weaknesses clearly. And so we need each other. We need the body to speak into each other's lives. And we need the body as well because, again, nobody has all the gifts. Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 1-7, and he says, you, and that's plural, you together as a church do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus to be revealed. Again, Jesus has left, like the parable, he has given talents to each of us and said, be faithful until I get back. These gifts and talents are given to us to encourage one another, to glorify Jesus, to spread the gospel, to help each other out until the master comes back. And Paul says, you as a church body don't lack anything. As an individual, you lack lots, right? As an individual, you have maybe a few gifts, but you don't have all of them. But collectively, as a body, all the gifts get covered. That was true of the Corinth church. That's true of Meadowbrook church as well. Together, we cover these gifts. You don't have all of them, but you have something to bring to the table. Together, the gifts are working. Together, this is happening. And so we practice our gifts, and we encourage one another in the gifts, and we understand that I have certain gifts, and there's a lot of gifts I don't have. So I want to lean in to the gifts that I have and lean on other people when I don't have those gifts. We lean in to what we have. We lean on others when they have gifts that we don't have. And as we are faithful to fan into flame and to be practicing and to be learning and to be mentored and to be practicing and to be trying again, we will fan that thing into flame. We will get better at it. I've told you the story before where Sarah has traditionally done most of the cooking in our house. She was home with the kids for a long time. And then last year, she went back to school. And so all of a sudden, she wasn't there a lot for dinner because she was at school. She had late classes. And so I was having to step up and cook a lot. And one night, we were having grilled cheese sandwiches, and my son said to me, Daddy, you are not a very good cook. And I went, grilled cheese, man. Come on. How, did I, how do you ruin grilled cheese? I found a way, apparently. And so that was last year, last fall, and so I've had to do a lot of cooking uh, in that time, and I've had to read a lot about cooking, and I'm going through cookbooks, and I'm on websites, and I'm figuring stuff out. So here's the fun part, and it's going to sound like I'm boasting, and I don't care at all. It turns out I'm actually a pretty amazing cook. <laughs> we just needed Sarah to get out of the way to give me the chance so that I could... But through practice, through investment, through learning, and I mean, I have like five things that I can do really well, but honestly, guys, I can do them really well. Uh, and so by investing, by practice, by making the effort, our gifts grow, right? We figure stuff out. And so we need to be investing in ourselves, leaning into what we have, and then leaning on others for the gifts that we don't have. And in that, everything gets covered, right? Because I can't bring everything to the table. I can bring a couple of things, and you can bring a couple of things, and you can bring a couple of things, and you can bring a couple of things. And when we bring it all to the table, the gifts get covered, and we as a church have everything that we need. 
As Paul wraps up uh, his verses to Timothy we've looked at today, 2 Timothy 1.7, he says, Fan into flame the gift of God that, was, that is within you, for the Spirit God gave us, the Holy Spirit, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The Holy Spirit within us. If you're a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God is in you. And He is not fearful. He is not a fearful God. He is in you, and honestly, he wants to get out. You build a fire, that fire wants to spread. The spirit within you wants to get out, and he is not scared of anything. So Paul reminds Timothy, Timothy, you have a gift, and it sounds like Timothy has probably been neglecting his gift. Uh, he has not been fanning it into flame. The fire has been dying down, and Timothy has maybe felt that difference, that I'm just not kind of where I'm supposed to be with God, and, and I'm just not feeling as alive in him as I used to, and I'm not feeling stirred up in my faith because he's not using his gifts the way he used to. Paul says, fire that gift back up again. Get back in the saddle with that gift. Step up into the gift that you know you have because that gift comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's in you and wants you using your gift, and that Holy Spirit is not afraid of anything. He has power and love and self-discipline that's going to cause you to step out and walk in your anointing going to cause you to step out and do what you were supposed to be doing, to step out and be who he created you to be, and the gifts that he has released into your life. The Holy Spirit in you wants out, and you walking in your giftings is one of the way, one of the ways that he moves in you and he moves through you with power and with love and with self-discipline. These are spiritual gifts, and by definition, the Holy Spirit is with us when we use them. And we find the fullness of joy. We find the fullness of intimacy with him. We feel most alive. We feel most purposeful. We feel like we find why we're here when we walk in our spiritual gifts. It's so important for us to find these things and begin to step out in them. The Holy Spirit within us is the exact opposite of that servant who said, I've got something, but I'm not going to do anything with it. I'm going to just keep it all to myself. No, the spirit within us does not make us timid. He is here to give us power, to give us love and self-discipline. As we're fanning our gifts into flame, as we are saying, all right, so how am I going to grow in my leadership gift or my administration gift or my serving gift or my teaching gift or my encouragement gift? It's going to be an emphasis on the gifts, of course. That's what this passage is about. But we also want to be growing our character alongside that. And I, I know in this series I've mentioned the Pentecostal church a lot. Uh, that's what I grew up in. That's what I ministered in for a number of years before I came to the Mennonite Brethren. And the Pentecostals are really good at Holy Spirit stuff. They are really good at spiritual gifts. We learn this stuff in Pentecostal church in Sunday school, like in grade one or two. Uh, they start early, figure out who you are, and start to walk in it. Um, and Pentecostals will use the phrase that, you know, we want to, uh, you know, not just focus on the gift of God, the power of God, uh, the character of God has to be there in whoever's ministering. And so that's kind of the saying, and honestly, it gets ignored all the time because people come in and they've got a tremendous teaching gift or a tremendous prophetic gift or a healing anointing, and the character isn't there. The gifting is there, the anointing is there, the power is there, but the character isn't there. And these ministers so often crash and burn. And, and pastors fall out of leadership and churches split. Like there's a lot of damage that can be done when gifts are growing, but character is not growing as well. And so we don't want to just seek the gift of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit, the moving of the Spirit in our lives. We want the fruit of the Spirit to be growing as well. Our character is like a container that holds the anointing, and we want that container as pure as it can be. 
And so we don't want to just be growing in whatever our gift is. We want to be growing in love and peace and patience, kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control, praying into that too, practicing that, being willing to invest in that. And when Paul talks about spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians, that's where we get a lot of our understanding of the gifts. He goes from 1 Corinthians 12, which these are the power gifts, the manifestation gifts, and you all have these gifts. Uh, find your gift and walk in it. He moves from there into 1 Corinthians 13, which starts this way, and you've heard this at weddings before. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, I give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And then he moves on with famous words, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not rude, it never fails. And so it's interesting, we quote that at weddings, and it's not that, that I mean, love is love. It's not that you can't apply those things to marriage. Love is patience, love is, love is kind, we need that in marriage, obviously. But that most famous passage of love in the whole Bible is showing up specifically in a conversation about spiritual gifts. Paul says there's all these gifts, there's all these power, this power where the Spirit moves through you. You'll see amazing things. God will do amazing things. His power will be at work. But as that is happening, remember the most important thing is to love one another. When you're stepping out in your gifts, the love needs to be there. And he gives us a few examples here. If I'm rattling on in tongues, but there's no love, then I'm just making noise. Right? If I have all the knowledge in the world, but I'm not loving, I, I am nothing. And these gifts can do a lot of damage if love is not there. Leadership without love can become bullying. Prophecy without love just becomes critical. Teaching without love becomes condemning. It becomes heavy. It becomes burdensome. Serving without love can be legalistic. Encouragement without love can be just flattery. Giving without love can be self-serving. Like whatever gift you want to look at, if love isn't there, it becomes not a blessing, but it becomes a way to serve ourselves. It becomes a way that we can manipulate. It becomes a way that we can make it about what we want and what we want to accomplish. Love, this passage says, always puts the other person first. Love always seeks good for the other person. Love doesn't get envious when others get what we wish we had. Love looks with rejoicing when other people get something. And love always looks to the other person. And that is the heart that spiritual gifts are meant to function in. That we lead driven by love. We prophesy driven by love. We serve driven by love. We administrate driven by love. Right? We do all, whatever the gift, whatever the anointing you have, love is the, the container that we pour that gift out through. We don't want to just grow in the gift of God, the power of God. We want to grow in the character of God. We want to grow in the love of God. And we invest in that too. And, and I think we invest in our character much the same way as the gifts. We make a plan to invest in it. We pray into it. We look at others who are further ahead in character, who are more humble than us or more loving than us, than more gentle than us. How are we inspired by these people? We practice, we practice, we practice. We make mistakes. We get up again. We practice some more. We want to grow our character even as we are growing our gifts. Come on up, worship team. We're going to wrap up here in the next few minutes. Just as we get ready, I'm going to recap a little bit before we go. Uh, we have an email address, questions at meadowbrook.ca. And if you have any questions, please fire them our way. We would be happy to take some time to answer them. So as we think about our gifts, and we're going to recap them very briefly here, 
uh, as we're thinking about what do we do next? How do I grow the gift that I've been given? How can I be a faithful steward of what God has entrusted to me? How can I take what he's deposited in my life? How can I be faithful to build that fire up into what he intended it to be? So if you have an apostolic gift, if that's you, if you are gifted for pioneering things, laying foundations, mentoring people, strengthening and overseeing and directing ministries or the things of the church, if you're apostolically wired, then find a place to do that. And, and I said in the first service, don't just do whatever you want. Talk to Mesh. Mesh is our lead pastor, and, and he can help direct us in these things. But find a place to do that. Find new ground that you can break. Find a person you can mentor. At least start doing that. Find a way that you can strengthen, that you can encourage, that you can help come alongside. Fan that gift into flame by being faithful to step out in that gift. If you have a prophetic gift, you're learning how to hear God's voice and to share it, then go do that. Seek his voice. Pray for his voice. Be willing to step out in faith and, and take that step. And, and you will get sharper and you will get better the more that you do that. As you practice, 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 you will fan that gift into flame. God will say, that's a person I know I can trust and I can give more to. And we've been talking a bit about this the last number of weeks in a number of different ways. Uh, one of the exciting things in this series is people are tapping into a prophetic gift that they either is new to them or they didn't know they had or was lying dormant and that's exciting. We are getting better about hearing God's voice. And we just want to make this a safe place, too, and be faithful uh, to keep everybody safe. And so we don't really want people saying, uh, God told me this for you, or you need to do this, or, or whatever. Uh, just the language we use is important. And so if I feel like God's spoken something to me for someone, I always just take a really gentle approach of, you know what? Uh, I feel like God is saying to this to me. If it's him, he'll confirm that with you. And that just makes room for lots of different maturity levels of faith and different things. It'll just help things get received better, and it'll help keep everybody safe. So it's exciting to see this gift growing. We need to be willing to step out and take those chances. We need to be willing to be wrong sometimes, and that's okay as we let others speak into our lives. But if that's your gift, then we need to hear what God is saying. We need your help, so be faithful to fan that into flame. If you're an evangelist, a good news sharer, then get out there. There's a world that needs to hear that good news. And it's not on you to make it happen every time. It's not up to you whether they accept it or not. Every time you share, you are fanning that flame. Every time you share, you are learning something new. Every time you share, you are sharpening that gift. And God knows he'll be able to trust you continually with more. If you have a pastoral gift, and again, we talked about this that week, of not a professional ministry gift necessarily. It doesn't mean you've gone to Bible college. This is a spiritual gift that involves guiding and feeding and protecting and caring for God's sheep. There there are many pastors in this room in that sense. Uh, go find a place to do that, to be encouraging, to be protective, to just pour into somebody's life uh, as you take care of the sheep, whatever that looks like. If you're a teacher, God's gifted you to explain and train and correct and encourage through the Word of God, uh, then find a place to do that. Come and talk to us, and we can discern that together, what that might look like. But go, there's got to be a place in your life where you can begin to express that, where you can begin to practice that, where you can begin to just take some time to figure out what it looks like for you. How does the anointing flow through you? You will figure that out as you do it. So go fan that into flame. If your gift is serving, helping others in practical ways, there is a world of opportunity for you to do that in church, outside the church. There is never an end to any need. And so go find a place to serve and find out where you like to serve by trying some things and how your particular serving gift shows up uh, that happens through practice as we fan the gift into flame. If you're an encourager, uh, 
it's a discouraging world. We need cheerleaders. We need people who are there to call the rest of us on, to build us up, to spur us on. So go and encourage. It takes no time at all. Be faithful to the gift that God has given you and be willing to take that step to send a text, to send an email, uh, to give somebody a phone call to bless them. If God has blessed you in the area of giving, sharing generously with others, uh, if God has blessed you with money, then that money is to share, to fund missions, to pour into the kingdom. It's not always about having money, although that is for some of us. If it is just sharing generously, open your home, share what you have, be a part of that. There's something about this particular gift where God says, the more you sow, the more you will reap. When we give sacrificially, when we put others before ourselves, God says, that's a person I know I can trust more with, and we always reap more than we sow. If that is how God has wired and gifted you, then give generously and be in the anointing of God as you do so. If he's gifted you as a leader, giving oversight and direction, setting the example, there are ways you can do that in church life, certainly. You can do that at work. You can do that at school. You can coach your kid's soccer team. Be faithful to the gift that he's given you. Find a place of influence where you can lead and set the example for others. If he's gifted you in mercy, demonstrating God's grace, his patience, his compassion for others, we have a world that needs to experience that. You give people a taste of heaven as you share that gift. As you show mercy, as you show compassion, you are demonstrating to them God's mercy and God's compassion. You're giving them just a little sliver of what God wants for all of us. And there are so many opportunities for you to love people like that in your daily life. If you have a wisdom gift, hearing from heaven's perspective, understanding things from that viewpoint, we need God's wisdom. There's a lot of voices in this life. We want to know where God is leading us. So share that boldly. If you have the gift of knowledge, you have insight that comes from the Holy Spirit, we need that. We need that shared. You can't hold on to that yourself. And so be willing to step out in faith and share that with somebody. If your faith is just beyond, we all have faith. We all have doubt sometimes. But the ability to trust in God, regardless of circumstances, there are people in our lives, their faith is just up there. And you set the example for the rest of us when we're having doubts. And you set the example in the storms when it's harder to hold on to faith. So go and be that example and speak words of faith to others and share uh, what you have learned about God and his faithfulness as you demonstrate what that faithfulness looks like in your life. Some of you are seeking healing gifts right now. God's power restoring health uh, supernaturally. And go for it. Keep seeking. That gift will grow as you're willing to step out in a step of faith and pray. And as you're willing to do that, uh, it, be, being willing as well to go, well, if it doesn't happen right before my eyes, I'm not going to let that discourage me. I believe God heals, and I'm going to keep praying for healing and praying for healing and praying for healing, being faithful to see that happen. Miraculous power, similarly. We talked about it last, week, last time we uh, went through this series. I don't know why we don't see these things more, but I do know that they happen, and they're not going to happen if we're not seeking them, right? We need to be pressing into God for these things, releasing God's intervention beyond what is merely natural. Some of us are wired to distinguish between the spirits, discerning of all the voices and all the distractions and everything that's going on in this world. What's God? What's the enemy? What's the flesh? What's the world? Some of us are really good at picking out God in the midst of all of that, and the rest of us need your help to do that. Uh, what might be so common sense and obvious to you is not obvious to the rest of us because you have been gifted by God in this way. So share that gift and be willing to faithfully be a part of that. The gift of 
tongue, speaking in unknown human or heavenly languages. We don't do that publicly in our church context, and that's okay. Uh, fire that gift up when you're in the car, when you're in your prayer time, when you are spending time with the Lord. Uh, let that be part of your prayer conversation with Him. And likewise, the interpretation of tongues. Paul says, if you're going to speak in a tongue, pray for the interpretation so that you can figure out what you're saying. Sometimes you'll hear yourself speak in tongues and you'll go, I know what I'm saying right now deep down. I don't know how I know, but I just know. And that's the gift of God working in your life. And so that's available to us as well. We are almost done, coming to the end. If your gift is administration, organizing and implementing, we so desperately need that gift to implement whatever God is leading us into. It's not just about the vision, it's about how do we get there. Practically, how do we organize things? How do we organize people? How do we organize schedules? Uh, how do we make this happen? We need administrators who can help uh, take care of the details, take care of the money, take care of the planning, and help these gifts come to pass. If God's gifted you in craftsmanship, artistry, designing, and creating, use your gift to glorify God. Use your gift as a place where you can connect with Him. Use a, your gift so that you can point to Him because things of beauty and things that are created that are beautiful remind us that there is a Creator in Heaven. It all points to Him. And so we are able to use the gifts God's given us to glorify Him in that way. If your gift is hospitality, welcoming, hosting, and making others feel comfortable, then, uh, then get on the door as a greeter. Start walking around with coffee on a Sunday morning. Open up your home to your neighbors and, and just be hospitable hospitable wherever you are. Take a look around when you're at church on a Sunday morning. Who do I not know? Who might be here for the first time? Who can I welcome and make feel like part of the family? If you're called to be a missionary, crossing cultural lines, not everyone is called to do that. Most of us are called to stay home because someone has to minister in Essex County as well. Some of us are called to the nations. And if that might be you or you think that might be you, come and talk to Pastor Mesh, our lead or one of our leaders, and we'd be happy to pray through that with you and help you discern that. Some of us are definitely called to the nations, and it is a gift of the Holy Spirit. If you are bold beyond what is normal, go be bold. Inspire the rest of us with your boldness. Physical strength, we talked about, it's kind of the weird one. It only shows up with Samson, but uh, it's a gift that's available. Maybe it intrigued you, and you should be seeking that. He said in the first service, maybe it's part of our worship on a Sunday morning, we'll just have someone bending bars with their hands, and that'll be part of how we glorify God on a Sunday morning. If you have the gift of apologetics, defending the faith, uh, grappling intellect, with some of the difficult questions that come up about God and Scripture. Uh, we need people who are wired that way to help us uh, have answers when we get asked those tough questions. We don't all think that way. And so people who are gifted this way can help the rest of us. So be faithful to dig in intellectually. Be faithful to press in in that way. And there are other gifts as well that the Bible doesn't specifically mention. And so if your gift is worship, then fan that gift into flame. If it's working with kids or if it's working with youth or if it's working with computers or, or, or being an entrepreneur, whatever way God has gifted you, fan that gift into flame. Be faithful to use it. Be faithful to practice it. Be faithful to invest in growing in it and let God move in you and through you as he blesses the world through you as you do that. Whatever gift you have, you have. God's given it to you. And Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. As in they cannot be revoked. God doesn't take the gift back once he's given it to you. And there are some of us, maybe, we have walked in gifts and we have uh, not fanned them for a while and maybe the gifts have gone down and we have felt that in our spiritual walk even. I don't feel as close to God as I used to and, 
and that fire has gone down, and the fire maybe has died down, but it doesn't ever go out, and God never takes it away. And at any given point, you can stand up and start fanning that gift into flame again. You can start stepping out in that and walking in that again. The gift and call of God are irrevocable. He has placed something on your life, and it is yours forever. He does not take that away. And so fan that gift into flame. Be faithful to do that. Whatever you have, you have. And it is your job to steward that gift well and grow it into a flame. We are going to spend some time in prayer as we are uh, wrapping up here. If you want to pray into any of this, come on forward uh, after we finish our worship song. Uh, that's a wrap for the Gifted series. We hope it's been helpful for you and you've been challenged to learn some things. Next week, Pastor Mesh is going to be sharing, which we are excited about. Uh, we're going to hear from the bridge as well in a couple of weeks. And then we're into Christmas stuff, guys, because Christmas is on the way. And we will be into some Christmas teaching from there. Would you stand with me, please, as we get ready to close in worship? The words will be up on the screen. Please join us. So over the past, past few weeks, we've gone over the gifting series, and we've talked about a lot of gifts, and those are very good things. And here's the thing about our spiritual gifts that we have. Perhaps you have a spiritual gift that you're aware of. I know how I'm wired to be, I know how God's wired me to be, but as I have experienced my gift and understand them how I'm wired to be, I've made mistakes with my serving. I've made mistakes with my gifts and how I've served. And I think sometimes what happens is when we find out what our gift is, and we go out there and we take a chance to serve, Maybe you had a bad experience. Maybe something didn't go well. Maybe something just was a challenge for you and it's caused you to go, you know what? I'm stepping back. I don't wanna serve anymore because of this experience. See, I've often made mistakes as a leader and I've learned from them, but I've re-engaged back into building God's kingdom because it's important. And as God has wired us to be, recognize, remember this, the gift we have is from Jesus. It's not about us, but he's calling us to serve and to build his kingdom. Whatever our experiences are, we don't want to downplay them, but we want to re-engage as well as God's wired us to be. So if you're one of those people that have just been reminded about what your gifts are over the series and you're serving in your gifts, awesome. We want to see that continue to happen. But if you're one of those people that have had a bad experience serving in your gifts and you've been hurt by something, we want to encourage you to re-engage. Uh, to continue to serve for God's sake and his kingdom and for the church as well. Because when we serve in our gifts, when we do that, ultimately God gets the credit, doesn't he? And that's why we do what we do. And other people will find Jesus because of how you're serving. So as a church, let's continue to build this kingdom together. And it's a great thing when we're all headed in the same direction that way. One of the great ways also is to re-engage is to be prayed over. And we got people up front that are available to pray with you, to come alongside you, to encourage you. And if you are in a place where you need support and prayer, come forward after the service. They'll be up front here to walk with you. And as people are coming forward to receive prayer and you want to visit hang out, that's fantastic. We encourage that. But if you can do that in the foyer and down the hallway so we can create a place of ministry here. Let's pray together. Father, thanks for this morning. Thank you for the series that we just went through. And as we continue to examine how you wired us to be, Help us to build your kingdom and how you've wired us to be, to serve you with a whole heart. And for those who are trying to figure this out in their heart and how they're gifted, show them, Holy Spirit, how they can serve and encourage them through a conversation this week or something that happens that inspires them to practice, practice, practice what you've done in their life. 
So Lord, thank you for each one. Thank you for the work you're doing. And for those today that maybe have had a bad experience, Lord Jesus, where they've been hurt or wounded, Lord, we pray for healing there. We pray for strength there as well, that in the pain they might be feeling or something they experienced years ago, I pray, Holy Spirit, you come alongside and remind them that in spite of what it was, that you love them regardless and you're with them in the pain as well, that they'd re-engage for the sake of your kingdom to go back into the body of Christ together and to be spurred on as well. Thank you for this church. Thank you for what you're doing. We pray for a great week, Lord Jesus, for whatever's ahead and help us to be flexible this week and what's ahead because sometimes things happen on our schedule that we don't anticipate. Help us to handle those things well with grace and mercy and help us to be salt and light for you this week. We ask you this in Jesus' name, amen. Have a great day, Meadowbrook.